Welcome in, Special Forces Gang. I'm Tom Hackett, Isaac Asiata joining me as always. Big shout out to our sponsors, Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City. Great time to buy a car with the weather coming in right now. Snowy, cold. Good time for a new car. Great Life Utah as well, greatlifeutah.com. Isaac. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Great to be back. I'm doing good. Big week. I mean, every week's a big week at this point, isn't it? Yeah. The last one before the biggest one. Well, one of the biggest ones. Ooh. I guess it is a bigger one every week. It almost gets bigger every single week, and, and what's wild is, you know, the games are interesting for about a quarter and a half, and then they kind of go yeah, quite bland on you. Colorado comes into town, the Rocky Mountain Rivalry, as they so-called call it, which is horrendous. We can talk about that yeah. as we uh, try and entertain those that decide to listen. We appreciate you guys, by the way, for, for tuning into this. We uh, we appreciate it and, and hope you enjoy the content coming through. Big Utah football year, 2019 it is. College football playoff conversation. Still in the mix, although uh, there was an upset that occurred over the weekend, and it involved the Oregon Ducks. I know Isaac. We're gonna we're gonna add a new segment to the show as well. It's gonna be called Isaac's Twitter Wars. <laughs> Very excited about that. But I've just you know, if, if you're on Twitter, by the way, if you're on Twitter, be sure to follow Isaac at Asiata five, and then the number four. You can follow myself as well at Tom Can't Hackett. But Isaac's a much better follower than I am, so so if you're going to follow anyone, please go follow the big 5-4 himself. He uh, he gets after people, um, you know, that have bad takes, and we like that, you know, because there are a lot of bad takes out there, Is. Yeah. Anyway, we can get to that in a minute. We'll talk about the Arizona game quickly. Um, Coach Winningham in his press conference, the only negative, I guess, well, there were two negatives in my opinion. Um, obviously, Brian Thompson... Suffered an injury. Now, it's not season-ending, which is really good because uh, I, I feared the worst, if I'm being quite frank, down on that, down there on the sidelines. I, I kind of saw it all, all unfold. He got rolled up on um, some, sometime in the first half, I forget, and, uh, and, he, and he was unable to put any pressure on his left leg. He, he took a long time, despite being helped, to, to come off to the sideline. Um, he couldn't even make it down towards the kicking net, which is where the, the medical tent is as well. They kind of they fold this big tent up, right, give you some privacy while they analyze kind of what the problem is, diagnose, if you will. So they put him on the bench up the other side of the field, um, down by where the injury took place, and that was all in open viewing. So I, I stood there, which maybe I shouldn't have, and saw it all unfold, and, and this is kind of how it all occurred was, he finally gets there. The doctors come over. They start doing tests on his on his right knee. So it's a knee injury of sorts. I'm thinking this isn't good. I was hoping it was an ankle, right? But it's a knee. Um, and they have these tests that they do, especially for ACLs. They can kind of pull and pinch and and, and see if they can find the ligament and, and determine whether or not it's snapped or torn or damaged in some way, shape, or form. Uh, he's wincing in pain all the while. And... Um, and they have, a, they have a, a conversation with him. He starts tearing up, puts a towel over his head. And um, and then he had a bunch of guys come over, you know, Coach Ilesai, the head strength and conditioning coach, Coach August, one of Coach Ilesai's assistants. Uh, a number of players came over, Solomon Enos being kind of the main one that hung around with him, kind of tried to calm him down. And then 
the big one was Coach Whittingham actually came over and and had a conversation with him, kind of grabbed him by the head, and uh, and uh, and ushered a few words to him. Um, and so I just thought, look, you know, this is probably an ACL. It, it just looks like yeah, an ACL. It sounds like it. Um, especially with the reaction of the sideline and how they approached him and. And and there were tears flowing from Brian, who's by the way had a number of injury concerns over the course of his career. Although it it doesn't seem like it is, because Coach Whittingham would have announced that during his press conference yesterday. He said there were no season-ending injuries, which 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 is great news yeah. for maybe for on Brian. the side, maybe on the sideline they thought it was something more serious than what it was. Yeah, it, that is true. Um, you know those tests that they do on the knee. Um, are generally pretty accurate, but you don't know until you go get an X-ray, and and you can kind of look in there and see what the X-ray shows. So that's great news for Brian. I don't know when he's when he will return. Um, it, it may well be this week. I only time will tell. But to to know that it's not a season-ending injury is really really positive news for Brian uh, and the football team. And then the other negative I was going to talk about with the flags. It was a, a pretty scrappy game, specifically there in the third quarter. Lots of penalties. Um. Just to open the game as well, it got it was a little scrappy. Nick Ford had a number of, I think he had two personal foul penalties on the first drive, right? So that's 30 yards that, that Nick Ford's costing the Utah offense. Fortunately, it didn't matter. Utah went out to a pretty big lead, and uh, and it was 14 nothing at halftime. It was the most one-sided 14 nothing half I'd ever witnessed. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like it should have been a lot more, but... Uh, regardless, Isaac, you watched the game. What were your uh, what your what were your immediate takeaways? Um, I think that Arizona was trying to bait Utah into getting into stuff, getting into something. I feel like their players were. I don't. I don't know, man. Like when when I've played from my experience, when you play a team where there's not much hope left for that team for the rest of the season, it's the end of the season, it's November, um, and you don't have a hope to go to a bowl game or anything else um players they just try to get a rise out of you they try to bait you into fights and they try to um basically do everything but play football do you know what i mean yeah and, and i felt like that was on full display down in arizona and i'm not going to say that like arizona they're a cheap team or they were you know part like their game plan was just to go in and try to whatever with utah you know but I feel like that that's kind of what showed early and then, th- you know, throughout the first quarter and um, kind of throughout the course of the game was that Arizona was trying to just get a rise out of Utah. You know, not they weren't they didn't care about winning. I, feel, I mean, I feel, I'm sure they did, but it just it just seemed like they were just trying to pick a fight with Utah. And that was right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I think Utah, other than Nick Ford's, um, you know, his two penalties. I mean, I, f- I feel like for the most part, they kind of kept some composure and they they did what they went down to Arizona to do. Uh, you're not wrong. Um, I can tell you that much. Speaking of the players after the game, Bradley and I told me that Arizona's offense was pretty quiet. You know, they weren't talking, nor were they doing anything cheap, um, partly because they knew they weren't very good, I think. Um, uh, however, their offense, so pardon me, their defense was very chirpy, uh, very dirty. Uh, I didn't see everything that went on. Uh, but I did see there was a play in the in the second half where Tyler Huntley, it was third or fourth down. I'm sure you guys remember it. Um, I, I think it might have been fourth down. He he faked the pitch to, to Zach Moss. He decided to run it himself in between the tackles. He came up about a yard short. And uh, right, he's lying face on the ground, right? His, his face mask is kind of in the turf. 
He's just about to get get up. He's got the ball in his right hand. And an Arizona defender um, kind of pushes his helmet into the turf. You know, like, no, no need for it. Um, he kind of, like, pushes his helmet right into the turf. And, and Tyler's like, what are you doing, man? You know, he's... Yeah. He was, but he, he was able to control himself and not kind of give in to what Arizona wanted Tyler to give in. I asked him at the playoff, off the air after the game. He said it was unbelievable how dirty and cheap they were. You know, by by far the most cheap team Utah's come across this year. I think a lot of it, Isaac, is you know, built up frustration from what's going on inside the Arizona program. I yeah. spoke to, I spoke to a, a number of individuals on the sideline who informed me that. The the program right now is in disarray, and, and there are multiple factors that go into it, multiple reasons as to why. Uh, players are fighting other players in the locker room. Boy, coaches are fighting other players as well. There was a de- The defensive line that was fired days before the Utah game apparently got into an altercation with a player, and that was the reasoning behind his axing, which is just crazy to yeah. imagine. Like That would never happen at Utah, but no. be- because it's Arizona, and I just think, Kevin Sumlin, unfortunately, drinks a lot, um, stays late in the facility, drinks. There was, a, there was a report that came out from The Athletic that, that talked about Kevin Sumlin and how there's a, there's, a, there's a high school two miles from their campus down there in Tucson, and Coach Sumlin hasn't gone to it once, although there are five players on this, this high school football team that have D1 Pac-12 offers. And and he hasn't even visited the high school because he's, I don't know, he's too busy drinking, it seems. Apparently yeah. he stays late in the facility and just drinks, which is sad, you know. It's, it's not something to make fun of because clearly there's an issue there. And um, the other the other thing that was brought up on the sideline was, you know, the Utah recruiting staff kind of looks at, looks at every program and determines whether or not they want somebody that's already committed to their opposing team, right? So they looked at Arizona this week and they said, who do they have committed that maybe interests us? There isn't a single guy. There's not one single Arizona commit that Utah wants. So they're not recruiting well. Uh, by the way, the stadium was empty, like like empty, which is, which is another sad topic to talk about because it was senior night there and Khalil Tate, J.J. Taylor, who's a redshirt junior, although he said enough's enough down here, I'm I'm either going to the NFL or I'm, I'm transferring. Um, so he was honoured on senior night. They had a number of seniors. You know, there was probably, boy, 15 of them, 10 to 15. Shoot, so it's a decent senior That's class. And you look at the defence. I was looking at the defence prior to the game starting, right? Uh, and they had like two sophomores. The rest of them were junior and seniors. They are all upperclassmen. And to be that bad with that much experience on, on at least one side of the ball is, is strange. You don't not, You don't often see it. There's something really wrong going on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if... Arizona could afford it if the athletic if the athletic department could afford it. Isaac, I wouldn't be surprised, unfortunately, to see Kevin Sumlin be let go of his job, which which would be sad for him and his family. It'd be the second time he's now let go, obviously after Texas A and M. But uh, we you never like to see anybody lose their job. I think for Utah's sake, you kind of want him to stick around because he hasn't done anything at Arizona. So. Yeah. Arizona used to be, I, I know when I played Isaac from 2012 to 2015, we never beat the Wildcats, ever. No, they were a really good team, man. They had ballers on that team. They did, and they had nice receivers, big, tall receivers, uh, quarterbacks that could throw them the ball, good running backs, decent offensive line. And Packed stadium. Playing down there was kind of hard, bro. It was, it was wild. It was. You yeah. know, Scooby Wright on the defensive side of the yes. ball. He won national awards. Animal. 
He was really good when healthy, although he couldn't stay healthy often. So nope. that program has certainly changed, and um, not not for a good way, which is which is rough to see if you're an Arizona fan. So that stadium holds like fifty six, fifty seven thousand, and they said that there were twenty thousand people that clicked through the gates. Twenty thousand people. But I'm going to guess that they that also includes the Utah fans that traveled. Yeah. Wow. So you're looking at, and there were at least 5,000 Utah fans. Yeah, dang, that's sad, man. So you're looking at 15,000 people showing up to uh, to that game. you got the number seven ranked team in the country coming into town. You know, you want to upset them. And uh, that, that home crowd, that home stadium is not doing the Arizona football team any favors, but the Arizona football team isn't doing the the fan base or uh, the city of Tucson any good either because then they're just not quite good, which is sad. But uh, another victory for Utah, Isaac, and... We look ahead to Colorado now. This is have have your thoughts on on what Utah's all about changed after after Saturday night? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like they it was a nice kind of big regular season hurdle for them to get over um, the la- their last road game of the regular season and and to be able to close the season out here uh, in Rice Eccles against Colorado is going to be um, it's huge. It's a huge advantage for Utah, right? Because they don't have to play any more road games which is a test in and of itself just because you're on the road you're away from home but then they also um have the advantage of a home crowd they have it's senior night and now we have what abc is going to be broadcasting the game um prime time yeah prime time a lot of a lot of things in favor for utah um you know i'm i'm happy with the way they, they performed against arizona i'm glad they blew them out because they needed to they needed to show that they're still dominating teams every single week, and which they have been literally every week since they lost to USC. And so um, I'm excited for them. Uh, I don't believe that Colorado is a rival for Utah. Um, I hated when they made that thing and said that they like it was the Pac-12 and the media that that made that a rivalry, not the teams. It was forced. Yeah, because I remember the first year we played. And it was called and dubbed the Rumble in the Rockies. Oh, Talk, that's right. Talking to Colorado players, uh, like I remember joking with some of the poly uh, D linemen and being like, "Are we rivals? Are we? Ri- do, you, do you guys not like us?" And they're like, "No, <laughs> I I've never even met you before." You know, like <laughs> just like stuff like that. That it was just a money grab, forced rivalry game. Yeah. But granted, over the years. Colorado has kind of been a, a pain sometimes, and and it does get heated. I mean, in 2015, we had them at home, I believe, and we beat them. And then in 2016, when they went off and they had that amazing year, they had Philip Lindsay on that team. He he was really good, and he still is, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, we had to beat them to go to a a really uh, – what was it? The Alamo Bowl in 2016. And they absolutely de- – like decimated us it was the it it sucked because it was cold and we were losing the entire game and then we lost so yeah they have caused some issues uh to utah um it's been an interesting rivalry we look back to 2011 uh they they had gone uh they hadn't won in i think it was like 24 games or something i think i think it was like on the road i'm talking about oh yeah i think in the first like Two or three years in the Pac-12, they didn't win. A, they won like maybe three conference games. And one of them was Utah in 2011, when Utah had everything to play for. They win that game. They go to the Pac-12 championship game. They end up losing. Yep. 
We don't need to dwell on that. Uh, my point is that they have caused some headaches for Carl Whittingham and the Utah over the years, hopefully this year. And I imagine this year won't be the case. Utah opened up this week in Vegas, Isaac, 28-point oh, favorites. I mean, like, when was the la- – in the Pac-12 era, right, when was the last time, if there even was a last time, Utah opened up in a, in a conference game as 28-point favorites? Call it 30 points, if you will. I mean, it just it, never. it hasn't ever happened. And, and, and Vegas now, a number of national media folk are starting to talk about Utah uh, on the national scene. I mean, this team is, is, is a perennial powerhouse in 2019. They are, a, they are a top six football team. The national rankings will come out tonight. We're recording on a Tuesday. So the national rankings will come out tonight. I imagine Utah comes in at number six, considering Oregon lost. Um and they're a really, really good football team. To put, to put that into perspective, there are four teams in college football that have allowed less than 1,000 yards rushing this entire season. Utah comes in at number one, allowing just 615 yards on the ground. Wow. They've played 11 games. So in 11 games, they've allowed 615 yards rushing, which is just absurd you do the quick math on that that's roughly 55.9 56 yards again they're allowing on the ground it's just remarkable can, can you imagine being a offensive coordinator game planning for utah knowing that they average they only allow on average 55 rushing yards and you have to make up a game plan versus that it's incredibly difficult i imagine there are two teams in college football that have allowed fewer than 20 trips into their own red zone. Utah and Georgia are tied at 19 apiece. Sheesh. So, so Utah has only allowed 19 total trips in 11 games into their own red zone. And by the way, whenever teams do get into the red zone, their efficiency at stopping them or at least limiting that those trips to field goals and it is incredibly high as well. So this this defense is the real deal. It's uh, really really impressive. Following the Arizona game, Joel Klatt, one of the national media's, he works for Fox. He uh, he had Utah in that in his top four coming in at number four, which is uh, the first time this season that Joel Joel's been high on on the Utes for quite some time. He hasn't put him in their top four until this week. So this is uh, this is fun. It's exciting if you're a Utah fan. You, you you need to relish this moment because I, I don't know, Isaac. I really don't. I don't know when Utah will have. Yeah, it might be. It might be. I won't, I won't say it's going to be a while, but this is a special team, and, and it'll take some time to get back to the depth and talent that, you know, just you have to rebuild. When you graduate, then you have to rebuild, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do this week, man. It, it's a special season. It's been a fun season to watch. Um, I'm excited. Yes, very much so. Um, Tyler Huntley, by the way, the, the campaign t- uh, Huntley for Heisman, he's, uh, as of 17 hours ago, he was third in the Heisman voting from fans, right? So to, it only gets you so far behind Joe Burrow, of course, the, the Heisman frontrunner and um, assuming Heisman winner in 2019, and then Jalen Hurts behind him, uh, in front of him, rather, Tyler Huntley coming in third. So uh, it's it's a pretty cool season that Utah is having. We will debut the brand new segment. Isaac, pull up your Twitter. Get that bad boy ready. 
because I know you got some beef to settle with some people out there, and we want to hear about it. What we, what do we call it? Isaac's Twitter, Twitter Wars. Wars. Coming up right after this. Welcome back, people. No role models. Or J. Cole for you. This fine week. Cold week. But a fine week at that. Yes. It's going to be really cold come Saturday. I'll tell you more about that later. With man Tom coming right up. No. Um, <laughs> we want to debut this new... Okay, enough of role models. Thank you. Thank you, <clears throat> J. Cole. We want to debut, uh, as, as teased earlier, we want to debut this segment. It's called... Isaac's Twitter wars. He's uh, he's got some fire. Yeah, he's throwing some shade out there uh, as of late, which has been really fun to to watch. Um, it all unfold, and and uh, you know a lot of the people that need to be careful around you now. Isaac, you're a big boy, can cause some damage, but your fingers do a lot of the talking nowadays, <laughs> which is good. No, it's I like, I like it. <laughs> That, that that wasn't any shade thrown your way, I promise. Um, and so I'm just going to hand the mic over to you. You've got a number of different topics you want to talk about and um, and you want to try and clear the air with because, look, there are people out there talking about Utah in ways that I don't think warrant um, what Utah's doing this season. So the floor's all yours, my friend. All right. So on this segment of Isaac's Twitter Wars, three topics I'm going to talk about. Bad social media, okay, bad marketing, to be more specific, flopping, and then strength of schedule uh, talks, specifically uh, geared at um, discrediting Utah. So first on Isaac's Twitter wars, uh, the University of Oregon posted a video uh, prior to their game against Arizona State. And in this video is an animated uh, clip of the, the Oregon Duck, but it is to the to a, uh, I guess, a recreation or a, a parody of um, the Frozen song, um, Let It Go. Let It Go. Yes. But it's it's uh, remixed, I guess. Let It Go. With some ridiculous um, lyrics about Oregon and their, their play down in the desert uh, against Arizona State. And it was the most ridiculous video... I've ever seen a, a, a team put out like when you market your team and Utah football has done a great job at this uh, of from a marketing standpoint for social media, shout out to mad dog up there at Utah. She's done a great job, but to post something as ridiculous like this, as ridiculous as this, when you're the number five team in the nation, it was the most embarrassing thing ever. I, I six, tweet, number six, team. number six, my apologies. Number six, even worse, they're still there. But you you post this video when you're about to play a, a game that you know in in a situation where every week is as big as the last week, right? And it it's I, I wish I could play it over over the podcast because it's so cringeworthy. If you cannot find it, um, go to my Twitter. I tweeted it, and I in the quote I I quoted and I said I'm going to tell my kids that this is when Oregon died. This was. Before the game. Before the game. Right. 
And I didn't even watch the Oregon game. And then the next thing I knew, I came back on Twitter a few hours later, and everybody is talking about how Oregon is getting decimated and they ruined the the college football playoff run and and blah, blah, blah. But I called it. You did? No, you did. And you know what? I I mean, I was talking to you about this off off air. On On a serious note, I'm like, I feel like they took this Arizona State game not as serious. Like, you put content out like this, that's embarrassing. And I know they did it because Frozen 2 came out, whatever, trying to figure out a theme, but... You're a reflection of your social media, how serious you are for the week. Like, if you want to see some good social media um, and marketing for a football team, go to Utah Football at Utah underscore football and check them out. See, see how serious they are, even even through their marketing, their social media posts on Instagram and Twitter. Like, I, I don't mean to, to make this that serious, but this was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen a football team put out on their social media page. What do you think? No, it, it was really embarrassing. Um, I will say, though, like whoever put this video together did a pretty good job. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's well put together, but it's like this is what uh, Snow College, no, no knock on, on the, the Snow College Badgers, but like a D1AA JUCO team would put out. Right. I, I was more impressed, Isaac, that you called the fact that, that Oregon was going to lose this game. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. I thought that was like, how did you know? But then again, Oregon, prior to this game coming coming in against the Wildcats and the Sun Devils, had, o- had, had only won one of their previous four encounters with any Arizona school down there in the desert. So they, they, didn't, they don't play well, and, and uh, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for Arizona State, the true freshman, plays really, really well at home in comparison to on the road. And, and you, you called it. Yeah. I won't lie though. I I will. I was gonna lie and just take credit that I definitely called the game loss. I meant more that their their team and their swag, their like swagger, died that day because that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life. That it was it was brutal. Yeah, it was bad. So anyway, what's uh, what's your next topic number two? Flopping day. Okay. I came across a video, um, and I will give credit to the person who posted that uh, at Ute. Uh, bunt you. Uh, he posted a video of an Arizona State player flopping, like ridiculously flopping. Uh, you can see in the video, um, Howard Pututau, he barely touches this guy, and the dude flies back like he just got ultimate punched in the face. Like, it, it's the most ridiculous thing I've seen, and it made my blood boil because for, for two, two reasons you flop. You only flop if you're an absolute loser. Like that's just how I feel. Like why? What? What other reason constitute you to flop? Like as a man, like as a man, that that's one of the softest things you can do in sports is to try to get a cheap penalty and then just show that, like to to cry wolf. That's disgusting in my eyes. Just trying to bait the officials into a call. Oh yeah. But but then like how soft you like he barely touched you and you fly like you just got absolutely hit by Thor's hammer like it was the most ridiculous thing in my in my tweet I said can somebody find me this kid's at uh, I need to return this it it got knocked off his face after the flop of the century and it's my infamous somebody picking up a clown mask right which has turned into a thing now so I guess I'll be handing those out every week nice very excited about it. Uh, and then I go on to say a little bit more stuff. Uh, I said straight up, though, if you flop in any sport, you are absolute trash. There is a zero 
chance of recovering because you're the softest piece of crap out there. There is literally nothing worse than being this big of a loser. And I stand by every single word that I said in that statement because I can't stand it in basketball, but even like to do it in football, like could you imagine a gladiator back in in the Coliseum back in the day like flopping? Flopping. No, that would no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> he would flop and then somebody would stab him with a sword while he was on the ground. Like that's You'd die. That's that's I can't stand it, bro. That's okay. You 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 speak um and a lot of people agree with you, Isaac. A lot of people including myself think that on the football field there's no place for flopping. Now on the soccer pitch Different conversation, because that seems to be a thing nowadays in soccer, or at least it has been for some time. But regardless, I agree. Flopping, no place on the football field for it. It's too physical of a game unless you're a punter and you're trying to bait the official into a five-yard penalty, which gives your team a first down. And I tried to do that many a times, failed miserably, didn't pick up one flag. I need to work on my acting. What's the third? Third third and final topic. On Isaac's Twitter wall. The discussion and more so the discreditation of Utah's strength of schedule. Okay. Now... Uh, where where I was talking to and and got upset was this guy was trying to compare how Utah's one loss um, to USC uh, it's, and their best win was a five-point uh, road win versus Washington, who lost this last week, I, I believe, against yep, Colorado. That's true. Um, and then he was talking about how he got sick of people saying how Utah is more deserving with the embarrassing strength of schedule that they have. And I was talking, and I responded to the guy because if we're if we're comparing Alabama, because it seems like we're, for some reason we're always getting compared with Alabama and and Alabama strength of schedule. And I I hadn't really looked at. I just kind of had a general idea of who they had played um, and that they were sorry teams. And so when I went and looked, actually looked at the the teams that Alabama plays, they opened up against Duke. Then they played New Mexico State, South Carolina, Southern Mississippi, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Western Carolina. Any team in the Pac-12 would go undefeated against all those teams. <laughs> maybe not. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. All, maybe not all of them, but for the most part, like Washington State. Who do who do we have in the Pac-12? Washington State. We have Oregon, Oregon State. We have Washington. We have. Cal, we have UCLA, USC, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado, and as well as, as and Utah. They're not soft teams; those are really good teams. And yeah. then, and then we went on to talk, to, to talk about um, the who, who Alabama who Alabama had played that was ranked, comparing to who Utah's played that that's ranked. And at the time, Utah played the number seventeen team in the nation in Arizona State, and absolutely wiped the floor. Wiped the floor with them. Alabama played LSU and got embarrassed for three quarters and only came back toward the end of the game. They got exposed. And then other than that... Texas A&M is a half-decent football Yes, team. yes. And I believe they're ranked now. 24th? I'm not entirely sure. But they're okay. Look, they, they, they kind of took it to Georgia this past weekend, ended up losing 19-13. to 13. They're, they're okay yeah. without being anything great. But Jimbo Fisher at the helm there, they're good. Um, but much like Washington's good, much like USC's good, a number of other, you know, Pac-12 teams, Oregon State now obviously pretty handy, Oregon after, after this loss aren't as good, I imagine they still stay within top 15 of the college football playoff rankings or, or however, so um, I, I agree with you, I think the strength of schedule right now is is interesting uh, when you compare the two 
Utah and, and Alabama. Um, and obviously, big week this week with Alabama going up and, and playing Auburn up yeah. there in uh, in a big, so this, big game, big this, rivalry This game. will be, I feel like, other than the LSU game, this will be Auburn's real test. I agree. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, Do you think Utah makes the playoff, Isaac? Um, I don't. You don't? You Because no. I know a couple weeks ago you still thought... Well, here's here's how I see it. Here's how I see it. With I, with Oregon's loss, I feel like everything's out the door. Is that uh, right? Yeah, because it's there. I'm sure there's a super slim chance, but this is kind of where um, the argument of strength of schedule would come into play. Now that Oregon has lost, and now that Oregon has a question mark on them after their loss, because Alabama will play Auburn this week. They've played LSU. Utah would have played a great Arizona team at the time. They would have played – they'll play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. But with Oregon not being the 11-1 and Oregon that we hope they would be, Alabama will go in over Utah if that's if that's the case. I see best-case scenario for Utah is they're ranked fifth. Really? Yeah, and they go to the Rose Bowl. Really? So I don't, I don't see them getting in because I don't see – I don't see Utah dominating. They'll dominate Colorado. I believe that they'll absolutely kill Oregon. I you think. Do. I think that Utah will roll Oregon. I'm not going to say that they're going to. You know what? I think they're going to roll Oregon. Really? But by, I, by how many touchdowns? Two, three, four? Uh, at least two. Bro. At least two touchdowns. Yeah. Interesting. So a lot of people out there seem to think that Oklahoma have a, a better chance than Alabama of making the playoff if we're talking about teams outside of Utah. A lot of people are saying Oklahoma or Isaac. And and there's reason behind it. They're ten and one, right? So same as same as Utah. Um Alabama will play Auburn this week. Uh they could well lose if 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 Auburn beats Bama this week, Alabama's out of the equation entirely. They're done. They're yeah. toast because they, they're not going to play in the SEC championship game. That's going to be LSU and Georgia. LSU and Georgia is going to be a fun matchup to watch. Um, a lot of folk out there, including myself, I imagine you're one of them, think LSU is going to beat Georgia, which would eliminate Georgia from the playoff, right? You can't take a loss that late into the season and still get in, especially when you're coming in at the number four team. Now, if Georgia beat LSU, it changes everything. That yep. I think Utah's in a lot of trouble if if Georgia beats LSU. There's no way, shape, or form that Utah can make it to the college football playoff. But Oklahoma's interesting because right now Oklahoma... Last week came in at number nine, so the, the Penn State was eight. They lost to Ohio State, so Penn State's going to drop. Oregon lost to ASU. They're going to drop. So, so Oklahoma's probably going to be right there at seven with Utah at, at six, right? Um, Alabama will stay at five because they manhandled the, the powerhouse that is in Western Carolina by God Almighty. I mean, it's unbelievable that they're allowed to schedule Western Carolina this late into the season, but apparently they are. Uh, because they don't play as many conference games as the Pac-12, which is another joke, in my opinion. Regardless, Oklahoma's going to be right on Utah's tail, and uh, they're, they're number one right now in the Big 12. They've, they still play uh, Oklahoma State this upcoming week. They're 8-3 and three if they can beat them, and Oklahoma State, by the way, they're ranked, although not that high. They're ranked 21st in the college football playoff. And then they take on Baylor again in the Big 12 title game. Baylor comes in at 14, right? And so that's two top 25 teams that Oklahoma will play. And if they can beat them, if they can beat them both, which they're probably picked to do, 
then there's there's a case for Oklahoma to make the playoff. Now, Oklahoma's loss to Kansas State came much later in the season than Utah's loss to USC. And I think that has to play some role in this discussion. Timing of losses has to play a role because in the past, teams have been rewarded essentially for losing earlier in the season as opposed to later in the season. And Oklahoma lost to Kansas State just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, in my opinion, I'm biased. I'm, I'm an avid Utah fan and would love to see them get a chance to, to compete in the, in the conference, uh, pardon me, in the college football playoff. Uh, but I, I certainly understand why people out there think the University of Oklahoma are, uh, are deserving of a shot as well. And they're certainly right there in the discussion. Like I said, they'll be seventh tonight, I imagine. Utah's sixth. Um, with Oregon and Penn State both losing. Oregon coming in last week at 6 and Penn State at 8. So they'll drop. Although Penn State won't drop that much. Penn State might drop 1 or 2 because they lost to the number 2 team uh, in the country, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that it means something that Utah's gone on. If, if, if Utah was to win this week and then win in the Pac-12 championship game, right? it would have to mean something that they've gone on a run since week 4. Yes. So as much as I think that Utah moving to number six is important, climbing the climbing the college football playoff rankings, what is just in, just as important to Utah fans is how far the Oregon Ducks fall. Yeah. Because if the Oregon Ducks fall to to number nine or ten in the country, right? Just assuming that that's the case, they win next week. Maybe somebody loses and they climb up to number eight. In the country, then then a number five matchup Utah against a number eight matchup Oregon. I mean that that is worthwhile, right? That's yeah. a pretty big time win. However, Oregon they could fall, you know, anywhere to fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, I've seen that they fall. You know, that's a possibility. It's a possibility they fall as low as fourteen, and if if they look if they fall as as low as fourteen, then you start having concerns if you're Utah. So, yes, tonight's an important night. Tuesday night's going to be an important night to see where Utah ends up. I think it's pretty black and white at this point. There'll be six. But I think what's really important, maybe even more so than where Utah ends up, believe it or not, is where Oregon ends up. Because that's who Utah, if they beat Colorado this week, that's who Utah will play in the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon's already solidified their spot in the play, in, in, in the Pac-12 championship game. Um as as they've got a, a number of game lead in the Pac-12 North. So um, they're, they're, they're going to Santa Clara. They've booked their flights and hotels, and, and they'll be there. Although, unfortunately for them now, they're not fighting for a college football playoff berth. They're probably fighting more so for a, for a Rose Bowl, Bowl berth, yeah. which is uh, still a pretty good price to fight for. So they'll give everything they have to Utah. But it's it's such a fascinating conversation. Um, I'm not as concerned as many of them of those out there are. I still I still think Utah has a legitimate chance of making the college football playoff, and and I think that chance increases drastically. I don't think I know that that chance in, increases drastically based on how they perform against Colorado and Oregon if they do end up beating Colorado, which they should. Because uh, if you roll Colorado and Oregon, then you've rolled everybody, literally everybody since you've lost to USC. Um, and you're a team that's in form. And I think the College Football Playoff Committee has to look at that and say, this team's deserving more so than the University of Oklahoma, even if the University of Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State and Baylor. Because o- University of Oklahoma lost to Kansas State not that long ago. 
you know. Whereas Utah has not lost for a long, long time, and they have steamrolled every single opponent that's come in their way. Yeah. Home or away. I mean, a few weeks ago, I was uh, super on that, you know, SEC bias and the and the committee being biased. And I, f- I feel like Utah's done a lot since then for that for for nobody to take notice. I feel like they have they have to take notice of this Utah football team. And the way that they've been playing, like you can't disregard that for a bias. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. your bias it doesn't matter anymore. It shouldn't matter in the first place, but like now it's, you can't deny this. You can't deny this Utah football team. I agree. I think this football team, this Utah football team is as good as any football team that's come through the state of Utah. Um I say that even with the BYU National Championship back in the day. Um, <laughs> I really do. And I, 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 I will stand by this word because I've been saying it for a while now. I think this is the best football team Carl Whittingham's ever had. I think this is the best football team that the University of Utah has ever had. And they could lose to Colorado. And I'll still think that because on paper this team is so elite and so good that, um, that, that, that it's, it's unparalleled to compare them to other teams yeah. that, you, that have come through Utah. Look, you look at 04 and 08 as, as kind of the two other teams that, that yeah. made some headway, and, and they, play, they were in the Mountain West Conference. It's just different. Yeah. And they'll have, to, they'll have to finish the season out, obviously. If they finish the season out and you know they don't go to the playoffs and they go to the Rose Bowl, and even if they win or lose the Rose Bowl, this is still, and I you can't change my mind about this, this team is better than the 04 team. This team is better than the 08 team. This is the best Utah football team in history. My my beliefs, and that that doesn't discredit the o four o eight team. With with all due respect to them, but this team is playing at an entirely different level. This team is playing entirely different competition, and the talent that is today is different than it was in o four, and it's different than it was in o eight. I don't care if Utah has one loss either, to be honest with you, because over like the last sixty years in the Pac twelve, there have only been four teams that have gone throughout an entire season unbeaten. In the Pac-12, it just doesn't happen. Whether, Pac- whether the Pac-12 is strong or weak, you are always going to be pushed. At some point in the season, Utah found that out the hard way. Their first conference game uh, out there in the Coliseum losing to, to USC. That came a long time ago. That's a long time ago now when you look at things, right? Week four of the season. We're now in week 14, I think. With, with bye weeks that have played into it and yep. everything. I think we're in week 14. <laughs> I had to do some math, man. Yeah. No, you're good. And so, uh, and so I think this is the best Utah football team that's ever come through, uh, and they could lose to Colorado, and I'd still think that. that They are that talented. I'm so happy that I get to be on the sidelines week in and week out, and I get to follow this team and, and, and watch them firsthand. It's, it's a true pleasure. It's, uh, it's really enjoyable, and uh, I would love to, have trade, to trade places with you know, thousands of other people that would love to be in my shoes. Isaac, you're, are, you, are you going to the game? You're, you're uncertain? This week, yeah, we've been wanting to take Nora to a game all season long, but we thought this was going to be the one because it was senior night and it was supposed to be an earlier game. But uh, with it being at five, I don't think I'll be able to go. So it was meant to be a two o'clock kick on the Pac-12 Network. That all changed when Oregon lost to ASU. Just to give you guys some insight there, um, with Oregon losing now, the national television doesn't seem to care as much as they did for good reason, right? They're going to drop in the rankings. Utah's going to be the number one team in the Pac-12. It's not even going to be close. And so they said, well, we're going to come to Salt Lake City. No matter how cold it is, we trust our equipment will be able to hang. And uh, we sure do. We sure hope so too. 5.30 kick, ABC, prime time football 
on ABC. It's exciting. By the way, before we get out of here, you, uh, Carl Whittingham in his press conference earlier this week talked about getting to the game early. Um, for the seniors, right? It's senior night. This is a very special senior class. We've talked about how good this football team is. Well, a lot of that is because of the seniors on this team, the leadership, a number of the players that could have gone to the NFL and played on Sundays this year came back and uh, had uh, unsettled business, had, had, had unfinished business, rather, and um, and they're certainly taking care of that this season. So, so get to the game early. I know it sucks, uh, and I know you love to tailgate, just just throw the meat on the Traeger or on the smoker maybe an hour before you normally would and uh, and drink whatever you drink more of earlier than maybe you normally would and just, you know, waltz on over to the stadium 15 minutes prior to kickoff and uh, cheer on these seniors because I know, Isaac, from personal experience that the, the players really do appreciate it. The seniors that are being honoured really do appreciate a full-packed stadium uh, as opposed to one half empty, and and um, and if I can do anything to to try and convince you, uh, our listeners, to come to the game, then then I would just say that the players appreciate it more than you realise as a fan, and uh, and to be loud and obnoxious uh, and to cheer on those guys means the world to them, and it's memories that they will have forever. I still remember my senior day against Colorado at Rice Eccles Stadium. Uh, Part of me and the fans that were there um, from memory it was pretty full another cold one though 2015 was freezing cold it was snowing um, but just do the fan do the, do the players um, some service and and know that they appreciate it a lot I'm sure you have similar thoughts when it comes to it yeah um, my my senior year um, we I, and I tweeted about this too because low key I was super bummed out we played Oregon at home it was our senior night um and the stadium wasn't full until midway through the second quarter. And you would think that you don't notice those things when you play, but when you're playing Oregon and it's a home game, it's the last home game, um, you notice everything. Like for a senior, you take in everything. You remember I remember the smells I smelled when I was on the sideline in the locker room. Uh, I remember what I what I um uh, what I wore. I remember you know how I how I got dressed, the face paint that I wore. Everything I remember, everything about that, and the last thing you want, you know, somebody who's done so much for this program, like these seniors have, is for them to remember that they came out and the stadium was empty. You know, and it's not empty because they suck; it's just empty because fans aren't getting to the game on time. They're not getting there early, and I get it, like whatever. But if 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 anything, just do do your part to help. These kids out, man. You, it'll be a very. No, I'm not gonna say it's gonna be a very long time, but you. This is special. You won't see kids like this where there's so many of them like this play at Utah again. Like you won't see Bradley and I play again. Like if you think about it realistically, you're not gonna go watch him in the NFL. You probably can't, or you, you know, there's no time, whatever. But this could be the last time you watch these these players play. If you have tickets, you're fortunate enough to have tickets. Take advantage of it. Be there early. Support them. Show supports prime time. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's the other thing. National television. You want to put on a good look for the committee, show that the Utah fan base cares, and uh, and show up early. I guess the best way to put it before we get out of here, Isaac, is this football team has given the fan base so much. Yep. You know, more than the fan base could ever, quite frankly, imagine. With the position they're in right now, and this is now your opportunity as a fan base and as a fan of the University of Utah football team to show your support, to show that you care, um, and, and to show that you thank 
those that have given quite literally everything for the past four years for this football program. I mean, the hours that go into it, um, you will never see as a fan. The, the early mornings, the the and it's cliche, but quite literally the blood, sweat, and tears that every single one of these seniors has given to the football program is unparalleled and... And, and and this is now your time as a fan base to show up to the game 15 minutes early. We're not asking too much either. Just show up a little before you normally would to give these guys a round of applause and cheer at your loudest and, and to create a, an environment that they will forever remember. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you they will. And, um, and I sure hope that the stadium is filled. That's, I guess, our best pitch to those listening. Uh, it's been a fun show, Isaac, Yeah, as it has on. every week. Uh, it's a special season for Utah football. We sure hope it continues. We think it will. 28-point favorites going into Colorado. Quite remarkable if you uh, sit back and think about that for a minute. But uh, to our sponsors, Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street, we say thank you to them. Go buy a car. Perfect time with the snow and the weather. This week, if you're in need of a car like myself, then maybe you uh, you ought to go check out Me Nate, too. Nate Wade Subaru. I know Isaac's looking at the Ascent. Yes, I am. Yeah, you got- Nate, all the people at Nate Wade Subaru. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I need to come talk to you. He does, and uh, of course, we can't get out of here without saying to, saying thank you to Great Life Utah as well. GreatLifeUtah.com for more information. Be well. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. I think this is the wrong song. That's all right. We we vibing it. Yeah, we're vibing. All right. Cold world. Cold world. This week it is. It is a cold. World. Please go ahead, rate, <laughs> subscribe. We appreciate you guys. Be well. Later.